You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This week's Parsha has an institution which may seem to us rather strange, and certainly one of these institutions in the Torah which no longer is practiced. Not so much because we've determined determined it not to be relevant as much as because it has to do with the Beit HaMikdash, with the temple that is no longer with us. Of course, we would like to think that this is a temporary situation and that the Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt, such that we need to come to terms with these various mitzvot. In any case, you're wondering what I'm speaking about. The the institution I'm speaking about is the institution that's called Sota, a process that a suspected adulterous woman is taken through to determine whether she, in fact, was an adulteress or not. And if she was, then she is punished via this process. The water that she's made to drink have a supernatural effect and uh, result in her death. On the other hand, if she's innocent, then the waters have a, an opposite effect and actually help her in the future, in her future, in her family's future. But be that as it may, you can check out these halachot in this week's parsha. The, there's an entire tractate in the second sota that's devoted to this, and you can find out much more about it there. In any case, one of the things that is... Um, Certainly, the backdrop to this mitzvah is the uh, institution of marriage, of a man and woman coming together in marriage, but in a certain, uh, I don't want to say hierarchical, hierarchical relationship, but certainly asymmetric relationship as the Torah and Jewish tradition establishes marriage. This comes out very strongly in the institution of Sotah, in that it highlights that a woman is not, is not allowed to marry more than one uh, man, uh, a limitation which is not symmetrical as a man can, at least according to Torah law, marry more than one woman. Um, in fact, something that uh, until recently has been practiced in uh, rare instances, but certainly has been practiced in some of the uh, Oriental Jewish communities in Yemen in particular, and uh, more rarely in Morocco. But in various communities, this was still uh, practiced uh, until very recently, and there, uh, you know, these communities being dispersed uh, and, and moved to uh, Western countries such as, uh, such as Israel. In any case, I want to speak about this concept more generally. What happens when um, and, and I haven't spelled it out in terms of marriage. We obviously still have marriage as a very important institution, certainly uh, in the Jewish people, um, pretty much throughout, um, and certainly in the Orthodox community, but and, and, and more broadly as well. And as marriage has not been given up on in the general community, but uh, there is what to say about it, and we will say something about it um, later in the, in the episode. So before I, before I get to that, just by way of analogy, there are other institutions that have given way 
um, almost completely that uh, the Torah uses as its backdrop as well. And these are um, almost completely hashkafati, uh, meaning that they're, they're not connected to mitzvot by and large um, in terms of obligations. One of them is the institution of slavery. Um, certainly something that we feel no obligation to uh, bring back. There's no indication in Torah. Well, I shouldn't say there's no indication, but uh, putting aside any sort of uh, eternality to, uh, to the concept, the, it's certainly something that's not practiced and we don't anticipate uh, practicing it in the future. And yet, the analogy of a master to a slave is one that the Torah uses to illustrate the relationship between God and, and, and mankind. Uh, the highest form of praise given to Moshe is that he was an Eved Hashem, literally a slave of God. It can also be understood as a servant of God, but more literally as a slave of God. So that institution being gone, it's harder for us to relate to such a concept, to be an Eved Hashem, to be a even a servant of God is something that we have difficulty understanding in the sense of uh, that was meant in its uh, its original context. Um, in any case, a similar institution is the institution of monarchy, that, again, we have the comparison of God to the king, a, a concept that actually um, is, uh, is found all over Jewish literature, and one that's used quite, uh, quite much in the liturgy. Right, which uh, makes it somewhat of a disconnect that we're constantly speaking of God as our king. This is something that's built into the structure of brachot, of blessings, of, of Shemona Esrei, of, of basically all prayers, and all the more so on Rosh Hashanah when we speak about the day as a day of coronation of God and the theme of, of uh, Malchut, of monarchy, of God's monarchy, over the world is one that is discussed throughout the day and is very much central to the liturgy. So here we have a little bit of a disconnect because on the one hand, the institution of monarchy uh, for all uh, purposes really no longer exists. Um, again, that's not to say that it will not come back in the future, but in the meantime, it doesn't exist. And that creates a disconnect in terms of our understanding with uh, of our relationship with God, um, such that the metaphor that's used is less helpful than in the ideal. And incidentally, this uh, issue is discussed by Rav Shlomo Volba in his second, the second uh, volume of Alei Shor. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned Revolva in the in the podcast. Uh, Rav Shlomo Volva was an outstanding uh, Musar personality, probably the the greatest Musar personality of of the previous generation. He died in 2005, and um, 
and speaks uh, with with a very broad background about um, human personality and how to grow in one's religiosity. In any case, in the second volume of Alei Shor, this is, anybody wants to look it up, this is in the Shar Shlishi, where he speaks about Malchuyot on Rosh Hashanah, the, uh, one of the uh, three main themes of the Musaf service. Um, it's on page Taf Chavav, for those who want to look it up, Taf Chavav, which is 426, so the numeration of the pages are in Hebrew, so you may not be able to do much with the English number. But in any case, um, he speaks about the um, end or the um, annulment of monarchy in the world as something which actually is a reflection of our low spiritual state, that God orchestrates this lack of monarchy because we are lacking in our faith and therefore illustrating his relationship with us is not something we would fully or properly use, and therefore there's no need for the concept in this world. So sort of uh, turning things around completely and saying it's not so much that um, we're at a loss because there's no monarchy, but rather there's no no monarchy because we are at a loss. It's an interesting way of looking at things. And the issue at hand, getting back to this week's Parsha, at least what's the institution that's reflected in this week's Parsha again, is the issue of ishut, of marriage. Um, now, granted, the halakha will never allow for a woman to marry several men, but as time moves on, we see um, a the, the relationship of marriage becoming more and more symmetrical, and this has all sorts of implications in all sorts of domains. Um, and it's interesting that just in last week's parsha, there's a reference that some uh, I don't know if we should call them progressive, but but certain um, Jews look to to see a model within the Navi within Tanakh for this sort of uh, symmetrization, um, equalization of, of the roles in marriage. Uh, over there, Hoshea is speaking about the other side of the metaphor, meaning the God-Israel uh, relationship. And God says to the Jews um, that the, as follows, this is... Um, in last week's Haftarah, in Hosea, it says, V'aya biyom ahu neum Adonai, tikru ishi v'lo tikru li od ba'ali. That um, in the future, the Jews will call God my man and no longer ba'ali, which also means, um, which also means the, you know, um, husband. I mean, that's the normal word that's used for husband in, in contemporary Hebrew is ba'al. Um, however, the word Baal can also mean uh, master. It's the same word uh, for husband and master. Um, and therefore, for some, it has a negative connotation, so much so that in some circles, the word 
Baal is not used for husband, but rather ish, uh, man. So is whether, whether that is in fact what the Torah is trying to, or in this case the Navi, uh, Hosea is trying to indicate to us that this is a, a model to follow that we would like to see more symmetrical relationships between men and women, uh, obviously within the limits of the halacha, but certainly um, to to see one spouse as really very much parallel to the other spouse um, creates a certain problem in terms of the analogy that's constantly drawn throughout the Tanakh with that relationship, and that is the relationship between God and the Jewish people. Um, specifically, I draw out one ramification in the Dvar Torah this week, in the article, and that is that whereas uh, God is able to have other spouses, so to speak, um, the Jewish people is not able to have more than one relationship with uh, gods, or meaning what, what the Jewish people uh, angers God whenever they turn to other gods in the same way, parallel to the relationship of a husband and wife. So the question becomes, when that relationship is changed, so much so that one does not recognize the parallel to God and the Jewish people, um, putting the metaphor in Hosea aside, then what are we to make of the Torah's eternality? Or perhaps is it as Revolva suggests that simply a reflection of our own lacking that history is moving in a certain direction? Now, I'm not here to answer that question, simply to point out that there is an issue here, that when times change, in ways that are not completely consonant with the most obvious understanding of the Torah, it creates a certain issue, something that we have to deal with, that we have to think about and try to see how it is that the Torah wants us to take its eternality, how to maintain the important lessons of the Torah. And last, last time we spoke about the, uh, the, thing, the, the faith that the Torah wants to build in us by giving us certain mitzvot, certain commandments like Shemitah and Ribit, Shemitah being the sabbatically or Ribit being interest. Here uh, we're dealing with um, the Torah giving us illustrations in the world for the relationship, which ultimately is, is always going to be uh, unique and different, uh, of God and man. Granted, uh, the, it's it's going to be different, as we said, but the more we have metaphors, illustrations of this idea, the easier it becomes to grasp in our, in our own terms. So until Rosh Hashanah, we have a few months to think. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 